All right. So, uh, all right. Well, I guess we're live. We sorted that out. We're sharing it wherever we can. So welcome to the uh, Drumming Career Podcast. This is number one. Uh, I'm Joe Goretti, an unemployed drummer due to the pandemic. Uh, about nine months ago, we got hit with this pandemic and it's taken us all out, as you all yes. know. And then gigs came back for a little while and mm-hmm. um, then now they're gone again and we don't know where they're coming back. So I figured, you know, I should talk to some of my other fellow musicians to see uh, how they're coping with all of this mess. And because right. I got a lot of time on my hands, you know, so um, I plan on doing this uh, once a week until the gigs come back or until I get bored, whichever one comes first. But um, <laughs> I definitely guarantee that nobody is going to be uh, bored by this first guest. I am so psyched to have this guy here. Um, so this is a kicking off with a good one. Uh, my first guest is a session drummer from New York City who's had an incredibly impressive 50 year career. Uh, over that time, he's played just about every style you can imagine, both as a leader and as a sideman. Um, over that time, he's played with Dizzy Gillespie, Sam Moore of Sam and Dave, Sting, many more. And um, before the pandemic hit, he was set to go out with 24-7 Spies, True. somebody I have a great deal of respect for and psyched mm-hmm. to have. Welcome, drummer extraordinaire, Tony Lotus. Here he is. <laughs> Well, wow. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. It's good to see you again, man. It's been a while. It's been a very long you while. Know? Yes. Exactly. And you look good. Yeah. You got, we, we all got the pandemic. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I was, I, I, was, um, I was just telling my wife, I said, you know, I said, man, I, I don't like beards, man. I had a beard since like high school. She, didn't, she goes, it looks really good on you. Really good. I said, oh, okay. Well, then I'll hold on to it for a little while. Yeah. Yeah, you look. Yeah, yeah, you look like the the wise man, the, the perfect watch guy. It, to talk watch to it, watch it now. You're pushing. No, it. I, meant, I meant that in the in the the nicest way, the youngest possible know, wise know, man way that you could possibly be. The right man. We came to the uh, grand poobah of oh, Lord. professional drumming. Okay, so let's well, start. You. Let's thank start you. off at the top. It looks like you are in San Francisco, uh, but that might yeah. just be an optical. Wink, illusion. wink. Wink, wink. Yeah, I'm in San Francisco. Yeah, wink, wink. Okay. Well, you got a great room, man. You got a good overlook of a. Of a... Are you coming at us from New York? Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Okay. From the Bronx. Where I'm from. From the Bronx. From the Bronx. Yes, sir. Yes. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, for anybody that doesn't know, a uh, backstory: Are you originally from <coughs> the Bronx? Originally from yes, New sir. York City. Born yes, sir. And raised. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And when did you start playing drums? When I was about ten. Ten years old. Ten. You started yeah. school or you just come up? Uh, how how well, did you get into that? Actually, you know, I'm going to um, let me take that back. Actually, I started playing when I was about seven or eight. I had a I had my cousin, um, Speedy, who lived upstate. And my dad, we used to pile all of us in the car and drive up because my aunt was my dad's sister. So they, you know, and they lived upstate. And I, like I said, and we used to drive up there. And he had a set of drums and a guitar and the funny thing is i don't know what happened man but i just would would run past everybody run upstairs and attack his drum kit and I, <laughs> you know just go at it you know and then um at the time i was living in the south bronx we were in and um around 163rd and uh, stebbins and uh not, you know near prospect and then we moved up to co-op city 
Okay. Um, and for some of you younger folks, it was called Freedom Land back in the 50s and 60s. It was an amusement park, which was, it was like a map of like the United States actually. And, but, you know, in about mid 60s, they took it over and some people, Mitchell Lama people took it over. And next thing you know, it's a housing development. So. And that's where you, you uh, spent yeah. some time over there? Okay. Yeah, that's where, I, that's where I moved to from the South Bronx. And then uh, about a year later, in, 72, when I was in fifth grade, um, they, the, the school there, IS-180 had a music department and they said, okay, they had a list of instruments on the wall and I said, okay, well, what do you want to play? And I'm like, ah, okay, I'll go for the drums. And that was, that was it, man. You made the right choice. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. So it started in school. School, it was like your yes, formal, formal educational training and all that other stuff? Yes, sir. Okay, cool. Yes, so you learn yeah. how to read and play all the oh, orchestral yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did that. Um, uh, I, my teacher at the time, a uh, guy Richard Wilder, he he taught me about not only playing drums but also music theory too, treble and bass clef, and and we had timpani and we had glockenspiel and stuff like that. So yeah, I I got that too. Okay. I got that training a little bit of that as well. So you know. But the drum set yeah. was your was your was your first love, right? Oh man! Yeah, I had a I had a a drumming buddy of mine who was also in my class, and it's funny because his 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 older brother was a drummer too, and we used to look at kits and stuff, and <clears throat> he it, his brother had like his Gretsch kit, man. It was oh Joe, it was the bee's knees, man. It was so dope, yeah. and. And he lived in one of the other buildings. And I said, man, I got to get up there one day. I was, you know, and I just started playing. And it was about, I think we were, I was about 12, man. And he said, yo, man, come on over to the house. To me, that was like, oh. <laughs> you know, the gates opened up, you know, the angels started singing and whatnot, man. And, and I finally got to his house and his brother's there, older cat, and, you know, nice guy, you know. And we just sat down and it was, had this like four piece Gretsch kit, man. And oh, oh man. That was it sounded, the, sa the it sounded wonderful. Yeah. And, and it, it, but it was a twofold too for me. Cause at the same time, not only was I introduced to like playing like a really good set of drums, but his older brother had put on some tower power. Oh. So I'm like, oh man, Gretsch drums and David Garibaldi, you know? That was like, the first right. time you heard tower power. <laughs> Basically, yeah. 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 And um, there was, it was the Urban Renewal record from 74. Oh, yeah. And it was in the last track on there. Actually, was um, there was um, two songs, Only So Much Oil that he played. And then this instrumental, which actually was not played by David Garibaldi, but another drummer on that particular track named David Bartlett. Okay. And if you are a Garibaldi head, if you listen to it on, the, the, the tune is called Walking Up Hip Street. That's the other tune. And if you listen to it, it's the last track on the album. And if you listen to it, there's a drum solo that he does for like eight bars. And if you really listen to it, you can tell it's not Garibaldi, but it's still funky nonetheless. Yeah. 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 And um, <clears throat> so that was like, that was like an amazing, mind-blowing day for me, man. I'm going to have know? to, yeah, I'll have to check it out. Um, yeah. So... What was that like your uh, your main style that you were digging into, like the funky stuff? Or were you into jazz? What were you listening to when you first started playing drums? It's funny things that my father was a drummer. Oh, okay. Mine yeah, too. my father played, yeah, dig, you dig? Yeah. yeah. And my, my father played drums, but, you know, <clears throat> after he uh, 
He, well, he played drums, but and he appreciated drums, but I don't think he could have put up with the the business that you and I do it on a daily basis. Yeah, that kind of sucks the a, love out of it. Yeah, right. And being a family man, but nevertheless, um, he had, you know, he had the Max Roach records. He had, he had, uh, Rich versus Roach. Oh, nice. Dig that. That yeah. He, um, he had some Tito Puente records, some Art Blakey records, some Philly Joe. Um, <clears throat> and, um, and some Ella Fitzgerald and, and different things. And so there was that. Then I had my brother, Randy, right? Now my brother, <laughs> my brother brought home, he's older than me, five years old. He brought home like the funk records. So he bought like the cool and the gang and, and the yeah. Ohio players stuff. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I had my sister who was, four years older than me. And um, she'd bring home some of the, 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 the soul records and, and, and it was all the same thing. It was the Motown stuff, Jackson 5. And, yeah. you know, my relatives had the Motown stuff and the R&B and, you so know. You were just exposed to a lot of great it was just, yeah, it was, I was just exposed, man. And, yeah. and, and at the time, there was also a radio station here in New York City called WRVR. And the thing about that station was they, they it was so diverse, man. They would play like, a Jan Hammer tune, you know, with some like seven, six, seven, eight kind of stuff, man. And then they would follow it with like some Dexter Gordon. And then the next tune after that would be like the Blackbirds, you know? So it was a, you know, a diverse amount of music coming out of the station. And that was like another thing for me, you know? Right. So you were um, exposed to all kinds of really great all stuff. Kinds all kinds of stuff, man. I mean, my dad told me, three things um he said learn to read learn to play all styles of music and put some money away ah so, good advice well, wow you know, good advice was, all of these so i think i think the last one i'm starting to get now yeah i missed out on that last one too i missed the out last on one that i just get now man but, <laughs> two out of three know, ain't bad right hey like the song but, like meatloaf two out of three ain't bad that's you know? right that's right um so but, yeah oh i'm sorry yeah. go ahead I'm, I'm sorry, but I just wanted to say that, um, you know, I, I had, yeah, you know, I was exposed to different types of music. And, and when I first started playing drums, even though I, they had, I had this, the cast that we just talked about, there was also like what I call like my super six, you know, and that, and they were because of the fusion era, you know, that was Billy Cobham, Lenny White, Harvey Mason, Steve Gadd, Bernard Purdy, and I have to add Cozy Cole. Because okay. Cozy Cole was one of the drummers who, who was boys. Him and him and Gene Cooper were really good friends. And they, I think they ran a school together up, up, up here in Yonkers, I believe. Um, but um, those are like the people that when I think about when I first started playing drums, those are the people that I really got into, along with Art Blakey and Art Max and, and, and some of those people and, and, the, and, the drum, and the swinging forefathers, you know. But yeah. Cozy Cole was like one of the, outside of Gene Cooper was like the only cat that had like a number two hit that included a drum solo. I mean, everybody knows about Sing, Sing, Sing and those know about Topsy, which Cozy Cole made famous. Right. And, um, and there's a movie called The Glenn Miller Story from 1954 with James Stewart and June Allison. And there's a scene where they go to Harlem and it's Louis Armstrong. They're playing in this little, little jazz club and and um, Cozy Cole's playing, and then um, Louis asks Jimmy Stewart, trombonist, come up. Hey, man, you know, you want to sit in with us? And he sits in, and then I got my man. I got, he had Gene Krupa with him. So 
But both of them are playing together and they do a little drum thing together, man. I'm telling you, I was about about 12 when I saw that. Blew my mind. Yeah. It blew my mind. It still blows me away to this day. It's That's so in the cute. movie? That yeah, it's in the movie. Okay, yes. yeah, we got to check, the movie. check out the Glenville story. Checking it out now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's cute. It's cute, man. But you Ooh. see, like, you see the love and respect that these two amazing drummers have for each other and and, yeah. and as friends, too. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so um, all right. So now you're exposed to all this great music and you're inspired and everything. And now what was like your first pro gig? What was your the first paid gig you had? First paid gig I had, believe it or not, was about a year later. <laughs> I was okay. 13. <laughs> and at the time when I was still in junior high school, the teacher of the jazz band was also a saxophonist. And he was recruiting young guys who played a little bit, you know, in his band. And we were doing gigs, man. My first, I started playing in 72. My first professional gig where I actually got paid was um, around Christmas of 75, man. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, you know, but I had a lot of energy. I was crazy. I was, you know, playing all over the place and stuff, you know, and yeah. it was a dance gig. So I didn't understand. So we had to learn bad luck, you know, okay. and, um, and Earl Young's groove is so infectious that, you know, that open hi-hat, you know, mm-hmm. stick, yeah. you know, I had to get that, man. That didn't happen on this gig. <laughs> <laughs> no. That did not happen, my friend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you lived to but, tell the tale. Yeah, exactly. And and ironically, you know, um, after that, I got fired from the gig because <laughs> my time was all over the place and I, I don't blame them. You know, it's all good. Yeah. But I learned a lot. And I, right. and I learned a lot. And and again, listening and listening to like Cobham and Lenny and it's like, man, the, the way they just expressed themselves on the instrument, I was like, I want to do that. Not thinking about, yeah, how about playing a two and a four, son? You know, okay. so that was my lesson, you know. Yeah, that's, yeah. well, I think well, the, well, that's, a, that's a very uh, mature, you know, that's a maturing process, right? I, I think all of us have to go through that thing when you just want to wank away and then brother, you, you ain't mine. it's like just play, play meat and potatoes. So what you said, you mentioned that your time was kind of out of whack. What did you do to work on your time, on your timekeeping? Uh, well, it's a work in progress. <laughs> I'd say that it's a work in progress. Well, I think you're doing I mean, pretty well with it. Well, I mean, do you no, work with you. like work with a, a click track, or what do you do? Do you have any sort of uh, exercises say, you like? One of the things that that I used to do was yeah, I used to um, with the advent of technology and stuff. You know, I had to sit there and put headphones on and work with the click and make it my friend, and not look at it as an enemy or you know what I mean. Um, and that's that's and it's so many ways to approach it to approach it um playing music and playing a groove you can play right on beat with the metronome where you can go behind you can go forward and right. you know just depends and you know um so that was my thing and just work with a metronome and one of the things was i did a record about mm, 30 years ago um with a couple of people um uh, a guitarist named Michael Hill, who I was working with, uh, Michael Hill's Blues Land, and we were recording, and we did something through the Black Rock Coalition, because we were associated with that with with that union, I should say. And I was also working with a, a poet named Seku Sundiata, and he had a group called Dada Do Da Da, which is basically a phrase that James Brown used on the Big Payback. If you listen to the very end, 
So we did, we did, um, there were different vans, VRC vans that made, you know, contributions to the, to that compilation album, basically. And I did the track that would say cool. And, you know, people, it was just a groove and people said later, hey man, that sounds great. What drum machine did you use? And I was like, no, that was, <laughs> that was me. <laughs> yeah, you know. So, yeah, um, I mean that, and, and then as I got older and I started exposing myself to more music and learning about the musicians, then I realized there were some other cats that didn't necessarily work with a metrotone, but their feel was solid. Yeah. And again, as a kid, along with the Motown, different R&B artists, one of the things was, of course, James Brown. And so there was um, Clyde, Stubblefield, and Jabbo Starts, you know, right. and listening to them, I was like, oh, man, it just feels so good. So it really wasn't about, sometimes it's not about a metronome per se, but it was just about having a good feel, man. I and, believe that it was... Uh... Yeah. Jabbo that said something about them asking him about playing with a metronome and he said or they asked him about his time and he said you walk in time you breathe in time you know he exactly breathe in time and the more yep. that you think like uh <clears throat> mechanical and and try splitting yeah. the atom and all that stuff the further mm -hmm. you get away from it and if you just kind of relax and uh have faith you know in yeah. your time that, that sure. you can develop it that way so cool I want to move on to uh to your uh, a video that I saw fairly uh -oh. recently that I tried to find uh, uh -oh. and I couldn't find, and it is uh -oh. you playing with a very young you playing with Dizzy Gillespie. Okay. Yes. You have <laughs> okay. to tell me about that. How okay. did that okay. come about? How did you get okay. to get with Dizzy Gillespie? Okay. Here's the thing. Um, this is about 1979. McDonald's, the McDonald's, yes, that McDonald's corporation was incorporating a situation where they wanted to encourage young jazz musicians from high school. So what happened was they had a, they had a tri-state area thing going on where you can audition. Now, luckily for me, the person who was giving, who I had to audition for was also my same drum teacher at my high school, music and art. <laughs> and that teacher is Justin the Chocho. Hey JD, so, um, what happened was he said, listen, there's going to be this audition for this thing that McDonald's is doing. And why don't you come down and, and, and audition? And I'm like, okay. So actually we did a, we did a tune um, that Louis, that Louis Belson played. And I, I'm, and for right now I'm, I'm having a, a, a blank moment, but nevertheless, we were doing that in class. So that's okay, fine. You know? So I, I went down on a Saturday and went down somewhere and read the chart. And I really went in with a blase attitude, man. I didn't care. I was like, okay, I get the gig, cool. If not, I ain't gonna worry about it, blah, blah, blah. Right, so I went in, read the chart, blah, 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 okay. Next thing you know, okay, thank you. Monday, I see JD in the hallway, go, hey, you got the gig. Oh, no. I said, I said oh, okay, you know what I mean? I'm like, okay, cool. So still didn't hit me yet. So then what happens that in this situation now, now you have three separate bands. You have a New York slash Connecticut band. I don't know why they did that. Then they have a Long Island band. And then they have a New Jersey band. So we, and they had, you know, different conductors, different musicians and blah, 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 blah. Okay. So we go out and play these gigs, you know, with our, the red blazers that you saw and the whole thing, right? They're sharp, man. They're sharp. Oh, Lord. No, thank you. But, so what happened was after that, 
And after we did some gigs in different places, um, then I got a phone call and they said, uh, listen, Tony, we are putting together an all-star band. I said, oh, okay, all-star band, all right. You know, <clears throat> so before we talk about Dizzy, that was the second year I did it because I was a senior in high school. So that was gonna be it. The first year I did it, I was a junior. That was okay. in 79. And when I got the gig, part of it was playing at Gracie Mansion. And you also got a chance to play with a major jazz artist. So in 79, as a junior, I got a chance to play with Benny Goodman. Wow. When I was 16. Yeah. And he was so cool, man. He was, he was, he was really cool. So that happened. Okay, that was nice. Okay, now here we go. Now I'm in my senior year. Oh, boy. Now, I'm, okay. All right. So then they said, okay, Tony, hey, man, McDonald's is doing it again. I'm like, all right, fine. So let's go for it. And then they, then, you know, I, I passed the audition for the New York band. Got it. I said, okay, playing in the New York, Connecticut band, blah, 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 blah. Um, and next thing you know, I'm, um, I'm doing it and they, and they call me again and said, okay, Tony, you know, we got the all-star band, you got the gig. I'm like, oh, okay. And they said, okay. And this year you're going to be playing with Dizzy Gillespie on the Murph Griffin show. Woo. Exactly. Griffin. Yeah. 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 Now. <clears throat> Legendary. Yeah, it was deep, man. Cause, uh, and, and, and because of that, I happened to meet two legendary drummers real quick. The first band, now I'm in the all-star band, the New York Connecticut band. When we started, we had to go up to UConn, uh, up in Connecticut, you know, okay. to rehearse, right? So when I got there, um, they put, you know, they put the kids on different floors and whatnot. And so I happened to be on the floor where there's drums. So it's late at night, it's about 1130 at night. I'm hearing drums down the hall in the room. So I go there and I said, I, I gotta find out who this is, you know? And I opened the door and it's dark, but I hear the drums, right? So I go, okay. And I was about to turn on the light. And then somebody said, turn off the light. So I turned off the light. Oh, sorry. I just heard you playing. I want to jam. He goes, oh, you want to play? Okay. So I'm having this conversation with this person in the dark. And me and him are sitting there. He's playing one kid playing. I'm at another kid playing. And we're just jammed and having fun, right? Next thing you know, afterwards, it's like, hey, man, nice to meet you. Hi, I'm Tony Lewis. He goes, hey, nice to meet you. I'm Dave Weckle. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so <laughs> jamming in the dark you found yeah. jamming in the dark. wow so that was fun and then the other the other legend was when we did the Merck griffin show are you hip to don lamond yeah sure yep nice 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 man very nice man and he was digging me too you know and we just had a great time had That's a great awesome. time man you That's know awesome that had to be quite an experience so you look you look fierce in the in they but you got a couple of nice camera spots. It looks <laughs> great. My, <laughs> I have to get a link to this so people can see this. But then I read you you uh, in the comments saying that you were like terrified or something. Like I was. because well, what happened was when we were rehearsing the tune at, at Carol's student, we were going through the tune, you know, he you know, we're playing the tune and then um he stops the band and he goes, he goes to me, Hey bro, let me hear play funk beat. And I'm like, huh? Yeah, and then he does that thing with his hand. <laughs> so we did that. Next thing you know, man, um, I, I played some whatever, two, four funk beat. He goes, I like that. I'm going to give you a drum solo. <laughs> That's when the nervousness came in. <laughs> That's when, it, and it was like, 
oh, okay. Okay. And um, so we did it and, you know. Hey, and man. You delivered it. And you crushed it. And you became a legend. And the rest is okay. history. Okay. <laughs> and now but, here uh, you are with me. Look how yeah. well it's Hey, man. And, and, and <laughs> hey, let's, and let's talk about where you and I met, man. About yeah, that was the next thing I wanted to talk about. <laughs> that you're how reading my notes, meet? man. How did we meet? How did we meet? We met, I believe it was the legendary Sam Moore. Yeah. Of Sam and Dave fame. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. And you, um, I think I saw you playing, was it at, uh, somewhere in the city, City Winery, was it? Somewhere it was B.B. King's, B. probably B.B. King's. King's. Okay. Yeah, and that was in 2003, and thanks to Ivan Bodley. Ivan Bodley. Got, yes, we have, I have to mention him because he said, hey, Tone, you want to do this gig? Because, you know, because me and him had been playing in the city already. We were doing dates and stuff, and apparently he liked what I did. So he goes, look, I'm going to bring you in on the situation. And I said, okay, uh, look, you want to play with Sam or Sam? And they were like, sure. Yeah, why not? So it was part of, of a movie release called Only the Strong Survive. And Sam is in it and different people are part of that movie. So um, we did that at BB Kings and, you know, Sam liked my playing and then he just came up to me afterwards and goes, hey, Tony, I'm going to Europe in the summer. Would you like to come with me? And I'm like, <laughs> I can't say what I really wanted to say. What I said to him, I can't say it here, but sure. basically I agreed. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, I, I, I and, subtly, and, subtly agreed and said yes. Yeah, and, and, and that began practically almost a 10, I did it 10 year tenure with him. I played for him like, spring of 2003 till my last gig with him was 2012. Wow. We did it again. Yeah. You know, so pretty much for the most part, I worked with him when we, we traveled a lot. We did Japan like four years, almost four years in a row, played the blue note, which was so much fun. Yeah. Love, 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 love the blue note, man. I mean, everybody, I love going to Japan, period. Yeah. You know, I just love going there. Everything works. People really respect the artist, you know, and they, yes. you know, they, they make sure, okay, Joe, oh, they make sure everything is right. You right. know, the equipment, the gear, the lighting, sound. I mean, they are into it, man. Yeah, and people they listen, in, the audience yes. listens and is like, and, yeah. yes, and, they, and oh Lord, if you have some history, oh, you better watch out. And if you've done some records, be careful because people will bring those, those records to the gig and will yeah. want your autograph. And, um, yeah. and and the people at the Blue Note were really nice. Very nice people, they, they took care of the band and you know, all the all the other groups that, that were there, um, I think Sam was like the only group, we were the only group that did one set a night. All other groups did two sets. Okay. Not us, not us, man. Just, Just one set, them. got out. Oh, they yeah. fed us first, they fed us. And the food was so yummy. Yeah. They really, they really, they really, really, really took care of you. Took good care of you. Yeah, they really did, man. I mean, so just class. Mm -hmm. As as a a guy that was all into the soul and all the all that kind of music, what was it like for you to play with the soul man? What was that like? The funny thing was I didn't I didn't get all flabbergasted and and go crazy. It was just like, hey man, just a beautiful guy, a very nice man, 
who has a legacy of hits. And it was an honor that he wanted me to play on his, to play for him, uh, you know, and it was just like, okay, cool. All right, let's do it. I, I didn't, he wasn't butterflies or anything. Yeah. You know, because the music that we played was just part of my history. You know what I mean? And so it didn't seem like, and even on playing with this icon, who still sounds great, by the way, um, it didn't phase me a whole lot where I got nervous and, you know, like, oh my God, oh, I played with Sam Moore. <laughs> no, no, We're just having fun. In fact, one time, it was really funny, we were in Canada and I had my laptop with me and one of my favorite, favorite, favorite movies is Blazing Saddles. Oh, that's one of so, my favorites too. Oh, and so we I have the laptop. Me and him, we're the only ones in the dressing room, man. And we are sitting there just cracking up, man. <laughs> we just had such a ball, man. And you know, the Lily Von Stoop part, I'm tired of playing the game and the whole thing. So we did it, we started when we then right after that, we started going to Japan, right? So we'd be on stage, and out of nowhere, we we're in the groove, and he'll just Blurt on the mic, hey Tony. I'm like, what? He goes, I'm tired. <laughs> like, come on, man. You can't do that on stage and live and whatnot. People won't get that's that. That's awesome. You, know? you got an inside joke happening with yeah, Sam. Exactly. That's, exactly. That's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sam was that that is, as you mentioned, how we met. I covered you once on one gig, which ah, was okay. gigantic okay. shoes to have to fill. And yeah, I remember yeah, you did fine. I know you did fine. I know you did fine. Get out of here. Hey, um, <laughs> I got paid. I know that. Uh, so they must. Well, that, that, that they didn't cancel yeah. the check, at least. But one oh, of the things yeah. that that I remembered uh, was there was a big screen that I could see from my vantage point, and I, I was mm -hmm. pretty young. It was one of my earlier things that I had done, and we were playing okay. Soul Man. Mm -hmm. and Sam was up there singing Soul Man, and that voice is coming out, and I could see myself on the screen, like <laughs> playing behind him, and it was just like. It, yeah. it was kind of a mind thing for a minute. So okay. Better, yeah. But that was awesome. So now the Sam gig, after doing that for a while, that led to some other things, right? Didn't that lead to you uh, playing with Sting and yeah. Elvis Costello mm -hmm. and all that? Yeah. Because, well, it, it led with Sting because um, at the time, Randy Jackson from American Idol um, produced an album for him called Overnight Sensation. And what happened was um, on that album, it was just like a like an album with different artists and stuff. And Sting did something on there and Brenda Russell was on there too. And um, so at the time that this record came out, Obama wins his first term. So we got the call to perform as part of the, the inauguration, 2009. So we were performing, uh, I forget the center where it was in DC, you know, it was madness around there, man. There's all kind of things going on and different people, you know, and Sting just came from, Sting was traveling from somewhere, coming in from somewhere and Stevie Wonder's coming from somewhere, playing with his band somewhere across town and this one is doing that, this one's doing that. So what we did was with Sting, we performed at the center and they said, oh yeah, Elvis Costello's doing it too. I'm like, oh, wow, okay. So, um, there's photos, there's photos around of like me, and you see Sam, and then you see Sting, and then there's another one with Sam and Elvis, and, and, and you see me in the background and stuff. It was fun, man. I mean, guys are really nice. It was 
quite an amazing event to be part of. Oh yeah. In the history of this country and just in the history of life. Yeah. And I'm just glad to be there and took part of the, you know, the soiree, if you will. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And to be able yeah. to play with a, with a bunch of guys like that. and uh, Yeah. Yeah, it was a blessing, oh, man. man. It was really cool. Really cool. So that kind of brings us up more a little bit to uh, where we had left off. I was supposed to see you in April in Buffalo. Oh, you yeah. You invited me. And you yes. were set to go out on tour with 24-7 Spies, of yes, whom sir. I am a giant fan. Cool. So cool. Uh, I'm a giant fan, but not enough of a fan to know the original personnel. So you have ah, to. Do, okay. Were you were, were you one of the original guys? Oh no 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 no. Okay. No, they're, they're, okay. They're, no this, and they're also from the South Bronx too. You right. know, and and they're um, Jimmy and Rick, um, Jimmy Hazel and Rick Skater. Those guys, um, they've had other people in the band. You know, um, Anthony Johnson was the drummer that played on the first couple of records, but there was a drummer before them that uh, was playing and they had a, a, a singer, a vocalist, um, Pete Fluid, Peter Fluid, you know. So that was, that was the band that got the deal. Okay. And through different personnel changes and different drummers and stuff, um, they, we all know each other through our connection through the Black Rock Coalition too. Cause you know, we met, we met, I was playing Michael Hill, like I said, we met, we met Spies back in 87. In Jersey, wow. man. And, you know, we get there and we hear these guys playing those amazing music. I'm like, who are these guys? You know? Yeah. It's play- it was such a hybrid of different musical styles and stuff. And I, yeah. I was like, wow, this is deep. So um, we've known each other throughout the years and, you know, with, with um, spies. And um, about 98, they called me and said, hey, listen, Tone, we're doing this live album at CBGB's do you want to do it with us? You know? And I said, well, I'm just coming off the road with Mike. I'll be home like two days, you know, a few days. And then we can rehearse for a second and then, yeah, we're going to do it. And we did it and they got the remote truck out there and they, you know, and they recorded it and stuff. And you could find that on YouTube. It's, it's a live album. Can you hear the sound from 98, man? I have to tell you, I had just gotten off the road too. So like, I was like this, I was ready. (laughs) <laughs> and you could hear it. And we all were like crazy. We, we were just, just the three of us. At that point, they were going through a lot of changes and, and personnel changes and stuff. So, you know, so it was just really Jimmy and Rick at that point. And I said, yeah, I'm down. Sure. You know, yeah. we all go way back. And so and that's what led to that and that association. And then um, Jimmy did a solo project. And so I was part of that, you know, with a different bass player and, and then um, over time, Rick and Jimmy reunited and we went out in the spring of 2004, we did a European tour. Okay. And we had fun and we had, you know, it was, we were doing, we were doing all right until that final weekend of the tour. We were out for three weeks and man, the third, like that final weekend, man, yo, we, we got into a bus accident, a van accident, yeah. and, uh, you know, tire blew out, van cap turned to the side and- Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, luckily we all survived, man. You oh, know, um, Jimmy was just a parent at that time, you know, he's just a dad, you know, he's worried about whether he'd see his family again. I don't blame him, you know, and, you know, um, 
really the one who got the most was me because the way the the van landed I was on the side and you know I just got a little a little little road rash here luckily I had a sweater on so I was okay but but you know we were just wrapping up our tour in Austria man and we were coming from Prague and you know that was that was that situation but like we survived that and you know and so I didn't work with them for about a decade literally okay and then in 2015 you know I, you know, Jimmy asked me again, hey, man, you know, I'm doing this thing in, in town, you know, down in Harlem. Would you like to sit in, with, you know, play? I'm like, yeah, it's been a decade. Sure. Why not? So we yeah. sat in and, you know, and at this time, Ronnie Drayton, rest in peace. Yeah. He was also in the band now. So I'm like, oh, OK. And next thing you know, um, I'm like, oh, cool. And Ronnie, I've known Ronnie for a long time, too. And uh, was Ronnie playing bass. No, Ronnie's playing guitar with Jimmy. Oh, okay, okay. Ronnie Drain's playing guitar with Jimmy and Rick and myself. Okay. Yes, it was the four of us. And then the following year, um, Jimmy said, hey, listen, I'm putting this record together and, you know, I want you to play. And I'm like, yeah, sure. So I did a couple of tracks on the record, you know, and then he called me, like, we talked about a year later, said, yo, I feel like, being in spots, I'm like, yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. And so now the record came out like, ooh, top of last year, top of, tw- no, top of the year before, 2019, the record comes out and, you know, we're all excited and stuff. And, you know, things were being put in motion. And then for 2020, we were going to go out and tour. We were, we were going to do some dates, you know. We had a date in New York and we were going to work up north and then we were going to work west. So like the Midwest, we weren't going to go, we weren't going to go too far. And we'd go south a little bit, maybe to Nashville. We were going to do Kansas City and um, I'm drawing a blank now, you know, Chicago, you know, Minneapolis, I think. We were going to, you know, we had some cities lined up and, and then the pandemic hit. Yeah, and just knocked everything out the water. Now, also after that, we also that was in the spring. Now we also had a tour set up in Europe for the fall. That got canceled too, huh? Everything got everything got canceled, man. And we were, you know, we were rehearsing like last year, like around this time, like January, February, man. We were rehearsing. We were getting ready for this, man. You know, we were like, all right, let's get it going. And man, next thing you know, the rug got pulled out. That's it. So then, okay, well, now here's the big question. Now we all find ourselves in this thing. What did you do? What, you know, what did you, what did, what are you up to these days? How are you Aha. doing your thing? Well, well, you know, the funny thing is um, technology is amazing. So luckily I was, I was always into trying different things. And that's because of my dad, you know, and with technology, you know, in the 80s, the drum machine came along and people were like, thumbs down on it and stuff. And, and, I, and I, I can get, I dig it, you know, because, you know, depending on where you come from, what you're used to, you're used to having wood in your hand and getting busy and hitting something and hitting it some calfskin and stuff, you know, and hitting some bronze, you know. Yeah, we're used to that. But for me, it was also like, yeah, I got into programming, you know, and sequencing and stuff like that. And so... So for me, I, 
it was technology is not an issue. So I was always into trying different things electronically. So basically that being the case, what I've been doing, what I had done for like a year now, basically being home is setting up my electronic gear and recording here in my house, in my apartment. Right. You so know? you're doing sessions, you're just doing like sessions yeah. for, for, yeah. For other mm -hmm. people. Okay. Yeah. People call me and say, Hey Tom, could you do some drums? And, and I use, you know, I use my electronic gear and record and send them so the tracks. The, so like, wow. The tech nerds of us, uh, what, what's your electronic gear? What are you, we using a specific software? What do you use? Yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, you know, like everybody, like a lot of people, I'm using logic. However, I'm not using logic drum sounds and no, me neither. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm using, um, addictive drums. Okay. They sound, I, I really dig them, man. Cause they're actual drum samples, you know, yeah. Wretch and Pearl and Sonar and, you know, they have ma major drum samples and stuff and they have actual symbols that they sample. So I trigger that from my drum cats. That's what I use. And I just do everything in logic, record my drum tracks, send them to people, there you go. And then now people with the visual, with the, with the visual thing now, like what you and I are doing, then they say, well, I like to do a video. Okay, so then I do a video. So, you know, I set up my iPad or my iPhone. Right. Either, either I'm playing along the track or I'll play along afterwards, you know. Gotcha. That's what I do. Yeah, that's good. So now there's a bunch of things there that is important. Like you talked about uh, staying on top of things. Like a lot of people, yeah. like you, you had mentioned, there was a time when a lot of drummers just turned off from the drum machine. Is like yes. that's my mm -hmm. enemy, and a right, lot of right. those <clears throat> those guys um, kind of cut themselves off from a whole yeah. portion of stuff when they did that. You know, and it's like right. not that there's anything wrong with being a purist, but to me, it's the quickest way to make yourself obsolete. Right. So true. So you uh, you embraced all that that technology, mm -hmm. and now you're uh, it, it's helping you get through. It's helping you adapt and get through all oh, this uh, this mess. Man, so you know, where are you? Um, yeah. Where are you getting? Where are your clients finding you? Word of mouth. It's word you of know mouth. what I mean? Yeah. yeah, word of mouth. I mean, I mean, there's like no people... uh, website or anything. I know there's a, there's a couple of them. Like people were doing tracks on different yeah. websites. Is there any? Yeah, you... you know, I did have a GoDaddy website, and it was taking it was taking too much of my money <laughs> you know what i'm saying it was and i'm like man why am i spending all this money doing this right. you know i said eh. you know people find me here and they find me on instagram i'm not a twitter guy but you know yeah and through word of mouth if you, people want to know where i am if people want to find me they they can get me i'm not hiding right you know track you down yes yes cool yeah. so um all right. Well, that takes us to where we are now. So yes. uh, I know you're a, you're a pretty optimistic cat from what I know of you and uh, mm -hmm. but realistic. And so uh, where do you think we're going as musicians? Do you think it's going to be much longer? What do you what do you think? Well, we, I just heard something today about Broadway opening up in during July or something like that, man. You know, um, we've gotten this far. Um, there's so much stuff that's going on that not even music related, which is why we are in the situation we're in, you know? Okay. We don't know. We do know, or some people may know, or people want to point fingers at how it got here. Okay. That's one thing. Okay. It's here. And unfortunately it has taken so many lives, man. But yeah. at the same time, there are people who don't believe that it exists. 
and there's a disregard for another human being. And it's a selfishness and there's an arrogance and it permeates in particular, this particular region of the world. And we are affected by it on a major level. And some people find out after the fact that I needed to be careful. They needed to be careful. They needed to be responsible. And so there's so many people that are doing it and there's a lot more that are not. Right. And this, this situation is so unpredictable, man. You know, because even with the most protective measures that you could take, it can still happen to you. And it can happen in different degrees too. Some people can be asymptomatic and for, or for others it could be mild or for others it could be severe. Right. So that being said, I think if we, if there was a collective consciousness to really do what we can to be responsible, not only would it lower the cases, I think, but at the same time, the world sees that we as a nation are collectively working towards doing our best to try to eliminate this or lower the cases, you know? And as a result of that, I think there would be more of a trust factor to let us into their country. Right. So that's, that's what I, you know, I mean, that's really what it is, man, you know? Um, Yeah. And it's a, this is a deep time, man, you know, especially in light of what happened today. Oh, 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 baby. I know. You know, I know it's, it's so scary, man. Yeah. It's so scary. I mean, you know, just even, and and you just want to, even if you want to go out to get something, even to go shopping, man, it's, it's so iffy. Yeah. don't know, man. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you there. Well, I don't want to get too into the realities of things. I tried to try to escape. I know I feel you, but I'm, and you're a hundred percent It is what it is, right. you know. Yeah, yeah, it, it really it is. is. And, and, and it's not going to go, and, and it, things aren't going to change for the rest of us until people start to change their behavior and start taking everything seriously and f- all the way around. For every, How about that? For How about that? Yes, sir. So, um, here's, uh, here's something to lighten the mood a little bit. You've been all over the world. What is the most ridiculous thing you have ever eaten Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. i think well, it's not really ridiculous but one t- um i tried a, a kangaroo burger in, in in sydney australia nice i was it was it was gamey man gamey i don't know yeah. what that word means it was People chewy well it's it's it's, it's chewy it was chewy but it was like oh okay yeah. And frog legs in Paris. Frog and frog legs in Paris. Well, and, and it's like that three word phrase. Tastes like chicken. Yeah. It, like chicken. It, it, it was it was like that. I'm like, but the kangaroo think, didn't taste like chicken. Mm, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I don't know what kangaroo tastes like. But if that's what it was, I, I had no reference. <laughs> There's no reference, man. No reference, dude. Crazy. Yeah. So before I let you go, a couple yes. things. Um, you also have been a band leader. Yes, you yeah. lead. You you lead a band. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. Tell us a little bit about that. What's that, what's that all about? Okay. Well, a couple of years ago, as I was writing, you know, um, I had my own project with Tony Lewis Four with Gary Foot on bass, 
Ya, Yoi, Ikawa on, on, on synth and piano and Sly Scott playing saxophone. And we actually, there's a YouTube video that we did two years ago. We did a remake of the Daft Punk tune, Get Lucky, but I did my arrangement on it. Okay. So I'm going to send that to you. I'm, yes. I'm going to send that to you. You, you need to, to yeah, I, think, I think you did get, but now I'm part of a project again with Gary Foote and a pianist named John Smatla. And we have a project called Zen Brother. And actually, while this pandemic was going on, man, um, we started this project last year and we would, we had gigs. <laughs> we had gigs. We were playing in Manhattan like in September, October, November, man. We were playing Thursday nights on 42nd and 9th, a little restaurant, West Bank Cafe, do a couple of sets. It was great. We had fun and we were working on our stuff. And again, the cases rose and the restaurants had to close. Yeah. And as you know, when restaurants close, what's the first thing to go? Live entertainment. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But the, the owner was a really sweet guy, really nice guy, man. And but we before this, as we were still, you know, playing on Thursday nights, you know, John, the pianist, so we call him Smat, you know, because his last name Smatla. We he said, hey, man, you know, let's do a video. And he had an arrangement of my favorite things, and so you know, I want to try this, and so we tried it, and he said, hey, man, let's do a video my friend's building on top on the roof of his building you know across town and got a video guy and we put it all together man and that's the video, video. that we have now thank you i mean it's yeah, and it's it it, we, it's we've been getting a lot of hits on it and we've been getting a lot of love and and, and it's great yeah. and we also did another video for another tune that i will surprise you with once it comes out i think we're trying to work that out for possibly next month but in this in that project which we call Zen Brother. It's the three of us. And equally, all three of us are writing. We're working on original material now. And we wanted to record, but again, we can't because we can't take any chances. However, again, the advent of technology, I can do my drum tracks here in my part, in my place. Gary can do his bass tracks at his place in Pennsylvania. Smack does his stuff in Jersey. And, you know, we all do logic, so we send tracks of music to each other and you know work out arrangements and talk about stuff stuff and discuss you know things and ideas and you know that's that's what i've been doing lately and you know and i look forward to recording that album too and finishing that you know yeah, because it's also something great. yeah it's, it's something that you know i've been involved with from the ground up and we all all three of us are equally involved in it and we're all making this happen we're all taking our little pennies and whatnot and investing and recording and video and you know doing stuff and so yeah that's lately what i've been doing okay you know i've been recording and recording this album and working on it and just want to make this happen man. so Excellent. that's what i'm up to now that's what i'm up well, to the, and you know doing other projects here and there like again again people call me for tracks and stuff i'll do that but but that's been like that's been like my main focus Cool. Well, it sounds amazing. You sent me the video the other day. It looks great. Thank you. Looks fantastic. Always. Thank the, you. I have I, I have to point out because it always makes me chuckle. Anytime drummers have to play our stuff and pretend that we're playing it in video, know, like trying to play out fills and stuff, you know what I mean? And we're all going, oh, my God. So it doesn't look uh, like, we're, but it's a great yeah. look. Great. The, the video. This view, uh, exactly. The view yeah. is amazing. You're yes. three dashing looking young men. <laughs> 
So uh, because <laughs> of you. my ineptitude on my live stream broadcasting, I can't share these links. So you're going to have to go back to my page and please, I, I want you to link up, you know, drop the links there or send okay. them to me and I'll, sure. I'll drop them on there. Cause people yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do that. Need I'll to hear them. Sure. I want, I'm going to let you go in a minute, but I, I have a question uh, real quick, not music sure. related. Are you sure. a football fan at all, Tony? Um, you, you know, like I wanted a few guys that, is not a sports that by any stretch of the imagination, you know, okay. you won't see me prop. You won't see me prop down here on Sundays and whatnot. However, when it comes close uh-huh. to the game, like the Super Bowl, then I'm like, okay, all right, let me see who, who, who it's same thing like the world series, man. You know, I'm like, okay. You know, you just yeah. come around at the end. I'm not trying to suggest anything to you, but if you're looking for a team <laughs> this year that maybe you'd want to throw your support behind, because okay. let's face it, you're a Bronx guy and you owe it to yes. us because you're a New York Giant. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I've been hearing, but I have been hearing good things about everything you've heard, which is great, is absolutely yes. 100% yes. right. So, I, I, come on, y'all, come, come on, on, y'all, let's you do heard this it from Tony Lewis. <laughs> come on, you just everybody in Buffalo loves you even more now, Tony. Ah. Lewis. <laughs> Tony, man, I can't thank you enough for hanging out, and it's been so much fun talking to you. And thank you, uh, thank you, man, thank you. It's a pleasure, and I wish you, I wish you much success in this podcast series. Thanks, you so know, much. get all the amazing rhythmists to show up, man. The rhythmists, I mean, and this isn't just for rhythmists. This is for <laughs> all musicians. In fact, you had mentioned True. it before. The uh, the the name Ivan Funkboy Bodley has been floating yeah. around quite a bit. He's responsible yes. for all of this stuff. So if you Yes. If you have any complaints, they should be sent directly to Ivan Bodley. <laughs> right, right. But I just wanted to point out that next week, Wednesday, at Uh-oh. the same time, Uh-oh. Ivan Bodley is going to be my guest. Ivan's going to sit down and he's going to talk about him being, he's played with over like 50 Rock and Roll Hall of Famers. He's yep, like the yep. hardest working guy in show business. He's yep. uh, a con- music yep. contractor and a yep. writer yep. and just an all around good guy. And, yeah, uh, yeah. and he's going to come talk about what he's doing. So people are going to okay. want to tune back in. I feel like a, yep. like a game show host or a <laughs> talk show host. I figure, you know. Hey, Jimmy man, you better get used to this, it. dude. How hard, how hard can it be, right? Uh, well, thanks again so much. And uh, I you. really sincerely appreciate you being here. And please uh, drop Thank you for questions. asking me. It's, it's, my, it's, it's a pleasure. And when I get my, my stuff together, because I, you know, I could only focus on Zoom, so I'm completely ignored mm-hmm. Facebook. So one of these days I'm going to be able to do both and people will be able to oh. ask you questions. So will you come back? Oh yeah. That? Yeah. I mean, awesome. people could text and stuff if, you know, if they want to do that, you know, they could do that. text. Yeah. Even now if they want to text, we can look and see if there's anything that anybody's saying and whatnot. But um, yeah. Well, you'll come back though. Oh, of course. Okay, good. Of course. And, right. and when I come back, I have some more stuff to give you and to present and, you know, Perfect. And I'll have it all worked out. It'll be, it'll be a broadcast that we're going to win an, a daytime Emmy. I know. I just, <laughs> Tony, thanks so much, everybody. Thank you, man. Uh, Thank I'm you, Joe. It's good to see you, buddy. I look yes. forward to seeing you soon. Yes, you will. Take care, brother. Yes, Likewise. Okay. Now take care.